chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. <clears throat> so we see in those, it's, in those days, uh, Caesar was the ruler of the, the known world at that time. Uh, and Caesar wanted to take a census of all his people in this known world. And so whatever he says pretty much goes. If he says there's going to be a census, the whole world is going to have this census. And uh, that's how much power he has. He can pretty much do anything he wants. He's the ruler of the known world. And that's even what it says there in Luke. He's, he's calling him the ruler of the known world. And uh, we're all, a lot of times we think about rulers and the power they have over the nations. And it, and it brings a fear. Like the people in that time, they lived under a, a, a nation of a power. Rome was a, a nation of fear. That's how they ran the people. And a lot of times that's what we think of our leaders or different leaders of different countries and nations, that they could bring a, a fear. They could change things the way our life is. And uh, I was just thinking about this and how, how uh, Caesar had this power. He could just, hey, hey we're going to have a census. So that's got to send all the people. Like if you're born in another city, if you're born in San Diego, I would have to go down to San Diego because that's where I was born. And so like if some of you guys were born in another state, that's where you would have to travel to for the census because that's how they did it in Rome. It wasn't just wherever you were. You just fill out a document. They had to go back to where the records originated. And so... It's, it's kind of crazy because it, um, it makes everybody need to go to their home. And with this, Mary and Joseph had to go to their home. And Joseph, it says that he's from the house of David. He's from Bethlehem. Um, and it's interesting because Caesar's the one causing Joseph and Mary to go to Bethlehem. But uh, it's, it's interesting because you think, okay, so Caesar has this much power. But... God actually prophesied this 700 years prior. And we can see that in, if we turn to Micah. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. I just want to read it real quick. I think a lot of times I hear people talk about the prophecies in the Old Testament, talking about Jesus and his time. I'm like, man, what's the verse? What is the, what is the reference? So that way I can see it too. So in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. And so this is, this is God using his prophet in the Old Testament. 700 years before, Caesar says that everybody has to go home to be counted. And so it's so who's really in control? It's kind of interesting because so you're thinking so is Caesar in control? Did he really want this census? Yeah, he he spoke it. He said he wanted it. He made the people go back to their homes, and 
but it was actually God pulling the strings. God had this plan 700 years prior. And so when we, when we worry or fear about our leaders, our rulers of the nations, we need to remember that God's in control of all of them. Like there's nothing to fear, there's no worry. But the, the word of God says to pray for your leaders and fear God. The beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And so we need to take that, that first part. We need to pray for our leaders, as the word of God says. Because I was thinking about this, and I was like, man, we're, we're going to have a new leader here in the U.S. in a couple, couple days, pretty soon. And uh, I'm sure a lot of people could be, have some fears and worries about how things could change or what could happen. But none of it's out of God's control. And so, um, <laughs> it's a Christmas message, right? But uh, this is just how it starts. And so, just to encourage us that we need to be praying for our new leaders, because we're, we're going to have a whole bunch of new people in charge of our country, but then the rest of the nations also. And that's, that's for us to also know that God is in control of this, that he knows what's going on. He's not like, okay, I don't know how that happened. Um, so because of this census, Joseph and Mary, they head to Bethlehem, and we see that God's really in control because he already he said it was going to happen. Um, It's also another good verse I wanted to turn to is Proverbs 21, verse 1. Because even, even though we think that the king ha- can do whatever he wants, Proverbs says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever, wherever he wishes. And, and so even though Caesar has all his grand plans, all his schemes and everything, God can change his heart to send them to Bethlehem, however he wants. Because that's where the Savior had to be born. That's where Jesus had to be born, because it was prophesied. Otherwise, that wouldn't have been a very good prophet if he wasn't right. It definitely wouldn't have been a prophet of God. The prophets of God are never wrong. So, um, it's, uh, I, was, I was thinking, man, <laughs> nobody probably thinks this, but... Uh, when you're reading the Gospels and you're like, oh man, Joseph and Mary are up in Nazareth. How are they going to get to Bethlehem? She's pregnant. She's got a baby. She's going to have a baby pretty soon. How is she going to get down there? I was like, man, who, who thinks about that? Because are, are any of us getting that back into the Old Testament? Like, I think that would be cool if we were. Or we see them up in uh, Nazareth and we're like, man, they need to get down to Bethlehem quick before they have this baby. Or they're going to jack up all this prophecy. Like nobody, no, nobody's really thinking that, right? But I, I was thinking it. I was like, man, that'd be funny if somebody actually thought that. Um, <laughs> so God directed the heart of this king, and it worked out just as prophesied. Uh, so we see Joseph. He's heading. He's heading on his way down to Bethlehem. This is about from Nazareth. It's about a seventy-mile journey, and back then uh, they didn't have carpool lane. They didn't have anything like that. They didn't have cars. And so this 70 miles would have been a, quite the trek. And Mary's about to have a baby too. And so this is a rough time. Like God's making it, it's almost like God's making it pretty difficult for him. Like he didn't make it easy. And, uh, but it's exactly where God wants them to be going. Like it's, nothing's out of his control. Nothing's out of his plan. And uh, a lot of times we're like, man, 
like for me, I'm like, okay, God, what are you doing? Like in my family, we're we're back here in the states. We've lived in Cambodia for five years, and and uh, now we've been back here because God allowed us. He He brought us back here because He allowed us. He He finalized our adoption on the the Cambodian side and the U.S. side, and and so we're here and we're still processing legal stuff. Um, but like I think. Caitlin and I, our hearts, like we were ready to be back to, to serve the people in Cambodia. But, uh, but it's like, some, sometimes it comes into our hearts, our minds, like, man, why not yet? When, what are we waiting for, God? Like, when's, when do we get to go back? When do we get to go back into the field? But it's, it's resting and knowing that he's in control. It's, it's his time. And he has, he has it for us to go back when he will, if he does even. Because he like he hasn't God hasn't like declared to us like hey you're going back in six months eight months whatever um, I'm supposed to be leading the trip in June and uh, Henry was saying something about if you've already signed up or whatever there haven't been signed ups yet so don't worry hopefully start that in January but uh but it's just like okay I'm gonna go back on this two week trip that's gonna be like a like like a tease almost for me, because for us, it's our home. So it's me going home for two weeks, and then, so it's almost, but I have, to, God is showing me I have to be satisfied where I'm at. And I think, was it Manny teaching last message or something? Maybe I heard it on the radio, but it was just like, to be content where you are, to be satisfied where you are, because I know he's going to have me go back out, and my family, I'm not going by myself. Um, but this is exactly where God has Joseph. He's, he's on his way back, or he's on his way down to Bethlehem. And Mary also, and they're about to have this baby. It's probably not the best trip a, a husband wants to be on with a pregnant wife. But it's, it's uh, I was thinking about that because I, I remember one time we came back while Caitlin was pregnant. And I was like, man, it's not hard for me. Like I can just relax and sleep most of the flight and stuff. But, and that's just a flight. But it's a little different, I think, when you're pregnant. Um, so it's a, a difficult trip back, or down to Bethlehem. And the reason they're going, like I said before, and like the Word says, is because they're from the house of David. And uh, that's why they're going to Bethlehem, because they're from, he's from da- Bethlehem, he's from the house of David. And it's interesting because the house of David, or the house Bethlehem means house of bread. And so it's kind of cool because uh, Jesus is the bread of life. So it's it pretty awesome that the bread of life comes from the house of bread. And I was like, man, good thing it wasn't like Bethlehem wasn't called like the house of fish or something. Like you don't want the bread of life coming from the house of fish. It's like that's perfect though. So like, and you're like, okay, was this an accident? Was any of this an accident? God doesn't make mistakes. He's, he's got it planned out that they're traveling while she's pregnant. He's got it planned out. They're going before the baby's born. He's got it planned out that it's from the house of bread that the bread of life will come. Um, in the last couple of verses in there, it says that Jesus was the firstborn of Mary. And this is pretty important, especially for any Christian doctrine. She doesn't have any children prior to Jesus. He's the firstborn over all creation, but he's also the firstborn of Mary. 
There wasn't, Mary didn't have any kids before Jesus. It wasn't possible to be, to be born from a virgin birth and if there was kids before. So it's solidifying that she was, it, it was a virgin birth. But it's also um, I was just relating he's the firstborn over all creation. He's the he's the firstborn of Mary, he's the firstborn over all creation. He is from beginning to end. He was there in the beginning of creation. He was there. Um sometimes I I, I assume already that Christians know the whole word of God. And a lot of times they don't, we don't. I mean, I remember I was teaching in um Cambodia with a translator one time and we were teaching about Jesus being in the beginning and the translator he's a Christian for a long time he's one of the he'd been Christian probably six or seven years in I think and I thought like for sure he knows that Jesus was there in the beginning and he had no idea so when he was translating he was translating everything wrong he was translating for somebody else not for me and it was at a uh, a Bible school and so, so I was listening in because I was supposed to teach next. And I was like, man, we've got to talk to him afterwards to get him so he's understanding. Otherwise, he's going to be translating all kinds of stuff off. But uh, just that we know that, that he was in the beginning of cre- before creation. And, uh, but he's also for sure the firstborn of Mary. And this also points out that Mary had other kids. She's going to have kids after Jesus with Mary or Mary and Joseph. Um, it's crazy. You would think that God would want His only begotten Son to be born, like in a in that time, maybe in Caesar's palace or a castle or somewhere somewhere great, right? And from we we know the story. We've been raised in the church. A lot of us we know the story that He was born in a in a manger in in a in a pretty much a barn. But if you would actually think about it, you think, okay, the Son of God, he's, why, like, he's born in a manger, he's born in, in what? We, like, he should be born in a castle. He's going to be the, the king of the Jews. He's, gonna be, he's from the line of David. David was the king in the Old Testament. He was in the palace. He didn't start there, but yeah, he, he made his way up into the palace. And uh, so why isn't the Son of God starting in the palace? Why is he starting in the, in the lowest place possible? And then it's also in this, like in uh, Micah, it was talking about a lowly town, a small little town, Bethlehem. It's in the, at this time, it's too crowded because of the census. All the people are traveling, and so the the inn is too busy for them to even to even take Jesus's the the people God has chosen to be His parents to raise Jesus. Instead, He's born and humble to a humble couple. With no great inheritance, there's there's nothing great except for the fact that they're they're from the line of King David, and uh, so I think something's going on. He's talking to me. Um, it's it's cool because I was, I was thinking about man, they could send in because we were talking about that DNA stuff or something where you could test your blood and find out your ancestors and stuff. So I was like, man, it'd be easy for them. They could send in their blood and they would find out they're related to King David. And uh, I think any of us would be like, man, if I could send my blood in and find out I was related to King David, that'd be awesome. But it's not going to change your life. You're not going to be like, okay, now you, what are you going to do with that? 
okay, related to King David. That, that is pretty awesome. I would be excited if I found that out. But what are you going to do with it? Are you going to go to the castle or something and say, hey, go to Israel and say, hey, I'm related to King David? Yeah, so am I, pretty much. So, but, so they were of the line of David. And uh, it would be, also be cool to be from the line of David because he, he was the one who had a heart after God. And that's what we should have. We should have that heart after God's own heart. Be seeking God in everything. And a lot of us, we, like, we know so much about, like David's one of my favorite, where he just, you see his heart in everything he writes. In the Psalms, you see his heart poured out. And uh, he's, he's transparent with whatever's going on in his life. He's not, and there's nothing hidden. Like if you read the Psalms, you know he's struggling with sin. You know he's struggling with his enemies. You know he's struggling with whatever from what he writes. And uh, that's, this is off topic, so <laughs> get back a little bit on track. <clears throat> so he's not born in a castle. He's born in a stable for animals. He's, he's laid in a manger after he's born. Um, I was down in Temecula this week to watch uh, Star Wars with my, with my mom. But, but I was dropping my mom off in, uh, I was in Old Town Temecula. I don't know if anybody knows that. But it's it's pretty cool little places, but it's where the the bus stop was. And so uh, uh, there's a bunch of little markets, shops there, and I was looking for a gift for Caitlin. And I was leaving one of the little shops, and there was a sign. It was like a little small sign you probably put by your door or something. And it says, uh, I didn't write it exactly down because I couldn't remember exactly what it said. It said, uh, said, if three wise women had been there instead of three wise men, they would have prepared in advance, they would have booked a place, they would have made all the accommodations, and they would have brought useful, practical gifts, not frankincense and myrrh. And so at first I was like, oh, what, is that? what are they trying to say? But it's, it's, like, it's pretty mocking of God's whole plan. Because I, I didn't laugh or anything. I was just like confused when I first read it. And I was like, what are they trying to say? And then it, while I was studying again, it came back to my mind. Just like, man, how, how the world sees the manger scene. Like I was saying, like we think God should send his son to be born in the palace. And that's how the world is going to see it. But we're, if we're raised in the church, we know it all the time. So that's just normal to us. Like Jesus was born in uh, a barn. But... That's how you make fun of people. Like, man, were you, what, were you born in a barn? Like in Washington, people say that all the time. But G, our, our Savior, our God, was, His Son was born in the barn. And uh, so it's, it's foolishness to the world. Um, they don't see it as beautiful or humble, that Jesus came in this humble state, in this, this <laughs> as humble as you can get. He was... He was uh, Wrapped in swaddling clothes, it says. But it's uh, it, one of those things, like they said about the three wise men, women. It, it says, it, if it, it, it would have been prepared in advance. So even just reading that first part, how far ahead did God actually prepare? He prepared this from the beginning. He, even seven hundred years, when it talks about in Micah, it, the other scriptures in the Old Testament, it's. Hundreds and hundreds of years planned where he's going to be born. But the world sees it that it wasn't prepared, it wasn't planned, it wasn't set perfectly right. He wasn't in the best five-star hospital. He wasn't... 
It was the most humble beginnings for the Son of God. God had this plan and he made it clear through prophecy. And then we see it, the world will mock it. Uh, we, just, we just need to trust in God and his way and his timing. I was just thinking about it like, like, yeah, I'm ready to go back, but, but it's, I want to do it in God's way and God's timing. And that's, that's for all of us. Like, we might think, like, okay, God, why do you got me here right now? Like, I, I think you guys are all here because God wants you here tonight, but even where you're at in your life, like, if it's hard, that's where God has you for now. If it's easy, that's where he has it for now. Like, but right now it's a time we need to trust him in his way and not mock his way as the world does. Because like even we could be in a crazy circumstance or something ridiculous and we could go off on God, but we cannot mock like the world mocks. We can't mock our God. We need to trust him. And uh, when my kids were all born, I was always thinking of them about their safety. I was always, that's, that was the only thing. Like, I don't care what, what's what, <laughs> however you want to do it, but as long as the kids and Caitlin are safe in the, in the delivery. My oldest two were, uh, my oldest first one was obviously born in Cambodia, and so was Jaira, my daughter. She was born in Cambodia. Um, when we first started the adoption, I thought for sure she was going to be born in the U.S. I thought, okay, we're going to get it done. We're going to be back in the U.S., uh, she's going to be born stateside, no problem. And that didn't happen. We didn't, she was born over there. It was scary. Um, but the, they're all fine. Like the two were born in Cambodia, they're fine. The two that were born in the U.S., they're fine. But the difference is when we were in Cambodia, we prayed before going to the hospital, we prayed for which hospital to go to. We prayed when we were in the hospital. We prayed like the whole way through it. But in the States, I couldn't tell you if I prayed twice. Like, we don't, you don't have to worry. We got good doctors here. You go to Kaiser and have the baby at Kaiser, you don't got to worry. I prayed for their names. That was, I prayed for their safety like a little bit, but there wasn't like a worry. There wasn't like... Not that the worry is what needed it to be, but it was the heart to seek God in it. And just with the hard, hard times, that's, that's what's going to draw us. The prayer draws us closer to God. And it's, it's where we should want to be. Not, not wanting the trials, but wanting the, the need to seek God in His face. Some some of you, like it's like almost like we forget God. Like when I'm back in the states, I feel like it's too easy a lot of times, and I forget God more here than I do in Cambodia because I'm I'm busy about God's work, like all the time Monday to Saturday and sometimes Sunday, like just always doing something. But like some of us might think, okay, I don't forget God. I I do my Bible study every morning. I do my prayer routine every morning. Uh, I just want to encourage you to stay close to God now. Like, if you're not going through any trials, great. But when you do, and it says in James 1 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And so, 
when the trials do come, like right now, let's say it's easy. So when they come, don't let those trials shake you, but make them, it's going to strengthen your faith. Because it can do one or the other. It can strengthen your faith or it can shake you and knock you on your face. Which hopefully on your face here in prayer. But like when we're in the States, a lot of time, like me, personally, I'm not, it's too easy here. Like I'm not trying to, I don't know how to say it <laughs> in the right way. But it's like you, even even on these trips to Mexico, there's a, a two-day two trip to Mexico and you get in the car and you, you pray before you leave. You, you stop, you pray together. When you eat, you, you're praying, you're seeking God for every, and everything. We get back in the States, like uh, me, uh, like I'm not praying every time I go to the market or I go here, but then when you're in Mexico on the short-term trips or if you're in Cambodia on a two-week trip, short-term, then you're praying before everything, before you go to the market. Like, uh, or you go to an outreach and there's like 100 kids and you're told there's 20. You're like, i got to start praying. But... Like, just want to be encouraging you guys. Even the little things, God wants to hear from us. He's, he's in these little things. And, and this is a busy time. Like, a lot of us running around trying to get gifts, trying to get Christmas ready, and uh, trying to do it all right. And uh, just that we just don't forget Jesus in this time. This is a good time to remember Him. And... Uh, it's interesting. I love I love communion. I love taking communion. One of my favorite things when I go back is always doing communion at the orphanage or doing communion somewhere. And then when I get back here, I'm always excited because it's like one of the first Thursdays, and I get back and we're doing communion. And it's a time to remember Jesus and uh, and what He did on the cross in His re- death and resurrection. And now we're we're at Christmas time. It's an easy time to remember Jesus, His birth, not His death and resurrection so much right now, but His birth, His His coming from heaven. To earth, and uh, so, but are we remembering that? Like, I I was asking my kids the other day. I was like, "What's Christmas?" And my daughter instantly started talking about Santa Claus. I'm like, "Man, it's just commercial." And then I I stopped her. I'm like, "Hey, so who was? I just asked who was born." And Samuel, my son, he jumped in. He's like, "Oh, it's when Jesus was born." Like. So, like, once I got away from Santa, but I was like, man, how easy it is. Like, just commercials. You see five commercials, and it's got Santa, Santa, Santa. There's no Jesus in any of that. How easily we get distracted, or, or our kids can get, can get mixed up with what this, this Christmas is about. And uh, not just their kids, but us. Like, how, how mixed up are we with what this Christmas is about? I was reading, I wanted to find a good quote from a, a good author about Christmas, and I looked up C.S. Lewis, and he only had like four things in his his quotes about Christmas, and and one of them was he he was writing a letter to somebody, and he was talking about his brother. He's like, yeah, my brother told me he was on the bus, and uh, and this lady was sitting next to him, and he said she the bus was going by like a church, and there was a manger. It didn't say manger scene, it was just like a crib or a manger is what he said. And the lady said, oh Lord, they got to they gotta make everything religious now, don't they? Like it was Christmas time. And so they're driving by and they're making Christmas religious, is what she was saying. Like how can they make everything religious? Even Christmas is religious. 
And so he just, I was just <laughs> reading C.S. Lewis's quotes and stuff about it. He, he didn't sound like he was a fan of Christmas, which, which is sad because this is, <laughs> this is uh, it's an awesome time of year. It's, it's when we remember Jesus Christ and his coming to earth as a baby because this is an end. We know that he came to die on the cross. But this was his initial coming, and, and, and we're losing that. Like, we all know it, but the rest of the city, the rest of L.A., nobody knows it. Like, we're lo- like it's, it's going to be gone. Like, it's just going to be commercial. It's just going to be Santa, unless we do something. And so, even for us first... Like, I always want to look at myself first. Like, what am I doing? What am, how am I remembering Christ? Um, we haven't got to the part that I want to really cover. <laughs> Let's get there real quick. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 four, through 14. Um, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And um, So the baby Jesus was just born. And who does the messenger angel first go to tell? A lot of people think this, this messenger angel could have been Gabriel because he was doing a lot of the messages about John the Baptist and Jesus and stuff at that time. But it's not confirmed like who, which angel it was. It's not necessarily important. But um, you'd think, again, like, you'd think Jesus would be born in a, in a mansion, in a castle or something, but he's not. Then you would think, okay, Jesus is born. Wouldn't the messenger angel go to the high priest or to the temple and, and tell the, the spiritual leaders that, that Jesus the Christ is born? Instead... He's, who does he go to? He goes to the shepherds, the ones taking care of the sheep. And uh, there's, there's nothing, nothing special about these guys. They're just out. Well, obviously there's something special because God, God chose them to have this message. Um, I was reading Matthew Henry, what he was saying about it. He was saying, they were alert and awake at night. And so if... If um, they it couldn't have been confused that they were dreaming and they just woke up and they had a dream and it was like day's moment and their their um, report was bad. But instead, no, they were awake, they were alert, they were watching their sheep, making their sheep don't get eaten by wild animals or wander off or anything crazy. And so, so they could give an account, but they could they would be a trusted person to listen to because they were awake, unlike some people here. But, but um, it says when the angels showed up, these guys were scared big time. And I think it would be the same for us. If we saw an angel 
come to us, we'd be like jump back, we'd like start repenting of all the sins that we we knew we did and we didn't ask for forgiveness for. We'd start like like a whole list. I'm sure these shepherds were freaked out, <clears throat> and um. But immediately the angel says, "Don't be afraid. I'm I'm giving you some good news." And uh, what verse was that? Verse ten. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Um, this great joy is throughout the book of Luke. It's associated with joy and salvation, the joy of salvation. And uh, do you guys just remember when you were first saved, the joy that you had, the passion you had for the Lord? Just, uh, I, just thinking about it, like when we first get saved, we're just like, man, because you're freed from all that sin that you had been living in, you've been walking in, and you're just like <laughs> you're walking in joy, and you want to you want to share it with everybody, and that's the message that he's they're given. That's the message. The, the Son of God is here, like he's here, and so um, but it's, it's it's cool because it says it's. It's not just for these shepherds. It says it's for the whole world. Or to say it, it says, uh, which will be to all people. And uh, <laughs> I was, it was kind of cool because the reason uh, Manny, when Manny asked me to share, I was like, I was praying. I was like, okay, I'll tell you tomorrow. I'm going to pray about it. And like immediately I started thinking about these shepherds before reading the story or anything. I was like, man. These are like the first missionaries, whether like missionary local or far or whatever. But these guys, first missionaries to Bethlehem, and that was their local town. They they would just lived on the outside, taking care of the sheep. But they were from Bethlehem, and so he's making. When many asked me, I like I couldn't stop thinking about him. I was just praying, and um, they're getting a word from the angels where to find Jesus. And then to tell the world about Jesus. So they first they, the angels say, "Hey, Jesus is over here. I want you to go over there, and you're gonna you're gonna see the Son of God." And so that's what they do initially. But then from there, they're gonna take the the message to the rest of everybody around that they can find, and they are made into the first missionaries. Uh, I, Henry kind of ruined that for me because he said Jesus was the first missionary. So I just messed that one up. <laughs> Contradicted each other. Um, that should be us too when we see Jesus we want to tell everybody we found him and and to tell people about him but I think a lot of times like we start out with that joy and it sometimes it it starts dwindling away like maybe when we first believed we had that joy that passion and and then it started I don't know like it's maybe started getting pushed in the back and we weren't coming to Jesus anymore. Like we're coming to church, but we're not coming to Jesus. We're hearing the messages, but we're not coming to Jesus. And I, I, uh, like even for me, I'm not speaking just to everybody here. I'm speaking like myself. That I need to have the passion to 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 be like the shepherds, to go to Jesus first, to not not just not just to hear him speak to me. He's a baby. He couldn't speak to the shepherds. They're just going to see a baby, and they're excited. They hadn't seen any of the miracles he did. They hadn't seen him die and rise again from the dead. 
They didn't see. They didn't know any of that. They didn't see any of that. They just went and they knew that he was the Messiah. As a baby, they couldn't get any word from him. He wasn't going to speak to him. Let's. I just said that. And so, but what about us? We're coming to church. We're getting the word from. Manny's teaching us. He's speaking the word of God to us. But are we going to Jesus? Uh, there's there's a Lifehouse song. It's one of my favorite songs, but I don't know what it's called. I think it's like called Breathing or Hear You Breathe. And it's talking about sitting outside the gates and just to hear God, just to, just to be in His presence, like just to hear Him breathing, not even, not even to have Him say anything, but just to be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of a baby. Jesus, not just any baby. My, my baby's over there. <laughs> but it's not the same. And so, so, yeah, we're going to church. We're doing the church. We're Christians. We're saved. But there's more. Let's go to Him. To have that joy of salvation. To have that joy in His presence. To, to long for Him. To want Him deeper. Um, and then we're going to go out. Like We're not all called the Cambodian. We're not all called the Mexico. Some of us are. I think a lot of us are called the Elmani. We're called to the neighboring cities. The neighboring towns here. Cities here. There's no towns. Some of us are called to different nations. And God will, will raise us up as we come to Him. But, it's, but we can't do it unless we come to Him. We can't, we're not going to have that joy, that passion. And so, um, just, just think about it right now. Like, where, where are you now? Where's your, are you doing that? Like, obviously, you guys are all coming to church. It's almost Christmas. You're here. And you were expecting Manny, and you got me. And, uh, Even have you gotten busy serving and the joy is gone? Have you been doing it, like living the Christian life, but forgetting why you're doing it or who you're doing it for? And is all it took for the shepherds was just to go and see the baby. They didn't need to go through seminary or Bible school. They didn't have to go through all of Chuck Smith's teachings. They didn't need any of that. They just needed to go to Jesus and see Him. Those things are good. Seminary's good. Bible school's good. Bible college is good. Chuck Smith, Dave's are good. But that's not what they needed. That's not what we need. We need to go to Him. Um, but then it was cool at the end. It wasn't just, there was the messenger angel initially, but then it says the whole sky like filled up with a host of angels. And they were worshiping there, right in front of just the just the shepherds. Like that would be pretty. Uh, I don't think anybody would believe any of us if we saw that. Like if we tried to relay that story and tell other people, nobody's going to believe you. But I believe these guys' story because Luke's telling it. Um, and just to finish off, uh, we'll go to Luke two fifteen through twenty. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told them. Um, so after, after the, uh, the angels told them to go look for Jesus, it's cool because it says, it says they, they, they left in haste. Like they, they took off. I don't know if that means like they, they sprinted, they ran, whatever, but it says they, like, somebody told them about Jesus, they're going to go as quick as possible. And um, if you, if, I don't think anybody really knows me that well, but like, man, I'm just, I'm laid back, chill, like really relaxed. And I don't, like the only time I'm haste is like when I'm playing sports. Like that's the only time. Like, but I would, I want to be like in a hurry. And I want to run to Jesus, like however that means, like if it means in, like Manny keeps keeps like talking about just this new year coming and and calling the church to fast if they if they feel called to fast or just to, that God's going to do something crazy in two thousand uh, next year seventeen, but that we would be in a hurry to do it. I'm I like man, how do we start this before the new year in my mind? But I'm like man, it just it just comes down to me, just just seeking after Jesus and uh, like we don't have to wait till 2017 for something cool to happen we need to start doing it now and I know Manny already is like he's praying for us he's 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 excited to see what God is going to do in us like God is doing always a work in Manny also we know but he's praying for us and we need to be praying for us we need to be praying for each other um So just like coming from Cambodia, nothing's in a hurry there either. Like there's crazy traffic, but it all goes like five miles an hour. And uh, just thinking about you come to California and everybody's in a hurry. They got to do everything. Like you, you go get to the weekend, you got too much to do on the weekend. And uh, it's just like busy, busyness. And uh, But let's be in a hurry to, f- to figure out how to be in a hurry to get into the presence of Christ. Uh so in the end, all that was told to the shepherds, it made them worship God. This whole message that Jesus was there, he's in the manger, he's in Bethlehem, he's, he's in the barn, the Son of God. And all this did made the shepherds worship God. That's really all I want from this, from whatever you guys get tonight, that you would just worship God more, you would seek God more, uh, and that you would have the joy of salvation, that that if you if you don't even know, like, like just think like when you first got saved, how how passionate you were. Like, what does it take to get that back? I want that to be in your mind. Like, how do I get that back, God? I want to have that passion where where I had before, where I was I was on fire. Like everybody knew I was a Christian. I was around, and they wanted the same thing that I had, and that's. Um, that's what I hope for tonight. Just it would be somehow encourage you guys just to this it's Christmas time, it's time to remember Jesus that he came from heaven. But uh that we would have that passion, that we would have that joy. That is all we need. Like yeah, keep doing church, keep doing church, but really come to Jesus.